Welcome to the fucking show. And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 91 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. We have a massive, massive episode for you this week. We have a mail sack, we have some college football talk, we have an NFL preview, and we have the preseason NBA basketball preview with Ryan Moore that I've been doing for a couple years now. So we have a, again, as I said, massive show for you a ton to get to i'm not going to waste a ton of time with this intro just want to welcome you all into the sack thank you so much for listening like rate review subscribe all that other stuff you know how it goes let's just get right into the mail sack Our first question this week comes from Kendi Poston, who asks, What are you being for Halloween? What should I be? I am still up in the air. I'm about 99.9% sure I am going to be Ted Lasso. And the amount of people that I've told that to are like, I'm shocked at how many people have been like, Who is that? Like, that's one of the most popular television shows, like, in the last 10 years. And for some people to just be so shocked or like, who is that? It's crazy to me. Um, to answer your second question, who should you be? I like the Wednesday Adams look you did um, when we were in college. I think that was good. Um, you could be... I See, that's the thing. I don't really keep up with what like women costumes are. You could be literally... I like the Wednesday. What if you did like... I know some stuff from Squid Games is very played out, probably. Um, you could be Love from you. That's I don't know how you go and dress up like her, but just run around and act like a psycho. So basically be like yourself um, when you're drunk, which is totally fine. Um, I don't know about what you should be. I have some pretty shitty ideas, but... Uh, There's a few for you. Thank you for sending that in and asking. Uh, The next question comes from Evan Deaver, who asks, Time to talk Bengals Super Bowl contenders. I would like to possibly push on the brakes a little bit. I understand right now they're first in the AFC, and it's through the week eight. We're going into week eight right now, so we're... Basically halfway through the year and things are starting to take shape. I think they will be a driving force in the AFC North. They should make the playoffs in some capacity, whether that's as the division champion or as one of the wild cards. I understand you just went to Baltimore and you got the win and that's a big accomplishment. I can still see Baltimore winning this division somehow. I can see the Bengals potentially dropping one or two that that maybe they just shouldn't. Um, But a lot of the question marks that were 
for the Bengals coming into this year. They're being aced with flying colors, answered with flying colors. You have to wonder about Joe Burrow, how he would be coming back after the injury. He's looked pretty good. Uh, Jamar Chase taking him over Panay Sewell and the issues that Chase had in preseason with catching and everything like that. He's just set an NFL record with the most receiving yards through seven games for a rookie. He's done extremely well. I think he's answered a ton of questions. The defense, how improved were they going to be? They bring in the free agent defensive end from New Orleans, and they've added pieces through free agency and draft, and it's looked good. Uh, Super Bowl contenders, I really think that Zach Taylor... I don't think Zach Taylor is a Super Bowl winning coach. So he's one big reason. And I just think that the Bengals are like, they're going to bangle at some point, if that makes any sense. Like, yes, they're riding high. And yes, this is a good football team, but I just can't put them up there right now with, say, a Buffalo or a Tampa Bay or Los Angeles Rams or Chargers or things like that. And I think there's so many good teams in the AFC that in a one series elimination, I mean the playoffs, one game single elimination, and anything can happen. Yes, you could say like anything can happen and the Bengals can win, but I really, if you told me the Bengals and the Ravens are going to play in a week in the playoffs, I'm going to take the Ravens. I just think they are the better team. Um, playoff contenders, certainly. I'm right there with you, Deaver. Uh, but Super Bowl contenders, I can't in good faith put them there just yet. Uh, the next couple questions uh, comes from a first-time question asker. Thank you very much. Kristen Mulcahy, who asked, Who do you think killed John Benet Rams? Admittedly, when Kristen sent this question, I was... Very upfront with her and told her that I am not real big into the John Bidet Ramsey like conspiracies or the whole case itself. So just a quick dive into Wikipedia from what's going on. I think probably one of the parents did it. Um, one out of 12 of these type of deaths are parents and they were extremely uncooperative with helping the um, police into any investigation. They said that they didn't want to help them because there was fear they would not be a full investigation for intruders and they would be hastily selected as the key suspects in the cases. Well, yeah, like that's what a key suspect would probably say and do. Like they don't want any attention drawn to them. Um, there's a ton of things swirling, but I think most realistically it was probably one of the parents. Um, continuing on, Kristen asks, what is the hottest female sport? Um, respectfully, I have to preface this. Respectfully, I think it, it probably has to be beach volleyball. Um, the outfits, the girls are tall, they're tan, probably from being on the beach all the time. Uh, they're jumping around. You, things are moving. and cha- You know what I'm saying. Um, probably beach volleyball um, for girls. Thank you, Kristen. I appreciate you sending those in. Uh, the next question comes from Keegan Riley, who asks, are the Bearcats for real? Cincinnati ranked number two in the AP poll. We will find out tonight. I am recording this on Tuesday. Um, the first initial college football playoff rankings are going to come out. We're going to see where they are ranked. That comes out in about an hour from recording this. 
I think the Bearcats are certainly good enough to be in the college football playoff. Are they able to hang with a like a Georgia? A I think Georgia potentially yes, just because of the ineptitude of Georgia's offense. The Georgia's defense is obviously the best in the country, and it would be really interesting to see how Ritter and the rest of that team on offense was able to attack the Georgia's defense because there really hasn't been a solid plan all year that's worked. Um, there's not really been a team that's played Georgia, though, that has had any real firepower to do anything against them. Like I think Cincinnati has that in some cases. I think Ritter can be a threat on the ground and through the air, but if you're going and you're looking, I mean, Alabama has a chance to do something against them on offense. If you go and you look just strictly off the best offense and the best defense, Ohio State is looking at the best offense right now. Georgia, obviously the best defense. I think Ohio State would be able to do something on offense against them. Um, but back to the original point. I think Cincinnati can win in a variety of different ways. So, like, say they went and they played Oklahoma. I think Cincinnati's defense could do a decent enough job stopping or slowing down Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley's offense that Cincinnati might need to score, like, 40 points, but they're good enough to do that. If they were to face an Ohio State, I think their defense could do similarly enough things against Oklahoma, but I don't know if the big playability at times is there to keep up with Ohio State's offense, which right now is clicking. Is Cincinnati for real? I think they definitely are. You go, and I let's just take a look at the remaining schedule they have because I don't think it's anything crazy. Um, going on, they have Tulane this week, Tulsa the week after that. And then they go to South Florida. The big last remaining game they have is on the 20th of November where they welcome SMU. That's going to be probably, if SMU can keep winning a top 25 matchup at the very least, maybe a top 15 if they continue to win. Um, and then the AAC championship game. So I I could see the committee putting Georgia in at four possibly. Excuse me, not Georgia. Cincinnati in at four. Um but I think it could take some chaos, but I do think they are for real. I think they're as good, if not better, than the team that was on the field for them last year uh, and made it all the way to a New Year's Six Day Bowl. The next question comes from Trent Revelette, who asks, what is your least favorite Halloween costume you see people wear? Trent, thank you for the question. Excellent one, as always. Um... I don't know if I have a specific one. The ones that I don't like are just the ones that seem like they are no effort. There can be costumes that like don't take a lot of effort, but are good and funny. Like I'll reference yours. Uh, back in college, you were a dictator and you just walked around in normal clothing and you had a potato coming out of the zipper of your jeans or something. That's fine. Like that's a good funny joke or whatever. But then there's people that just like, they put on a jersey and they're like, oh, I'm LeBron James or I'm Bryce Harper. Some, like, just put a jersey on, they're like, oh, I'm this. This is probably the one time a year that, like, you can go all out and do literally dress however you want. Like, go do that. Put some effort into it. Like, make an effort. So I necessarily don't have an issue with one singular 
costume, but more of the people and their costumes that just show absolutely no effort into what is an extremely fun holiday to celebrate. The next two questions we have come from Adam Blandford, and they're more Bengals questions. It's turned into a Bengals podcast, just like Blandy wanted. He asks, will the Bengals have what it takes to win the division? They have what it takes, but I am unfortunately still picking probably the Ravens to end up winning that division. I can, as I explained earlier, I think the Bengals can probably bangle themselves into losing one or two of the games in the division that they don't need to, and the Ravens finding ways to win certain games. I'm almost certain the Bengals are going to lose when the Ravens come to town and play in Cincinnati. Almost certain of that. Um, So I do think that they are a threat in the division, but they will not end up winning the division. And then Blandy asks, will Jamar Chase end up being the best rookie wide receiver in the NFL? If he continues on the pace he's on now, uh, statistically, absolutely yes. It seems like it's becoming a every year thing now where a rookie receiver comes onto the scene and explodes and just sets all these records and breaks a ton of records. You look at last year with Justin Jefferson. You look a couple years ago with Michael Thomas. Um... I mean, I know I'm missing some, but DK Metcalf as well. It just seems like every year there's this new stud receiver that comes into the NFL and acclimates perfectly and is in a great situation and steps up and is a great receiver. Um, as I said, if it continues up at this pace and you want to go based off statistics, because I'm sure there's going to be people that are going to say, no, 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 this guy was, like Randy Moss was back in the day, or Justin Jefferson, or this guy, or this guy. That's all subjective, I understand that, but statistically wise, if he continues, um, I don't think there's much of an argument for anybody besides Chase. Moving on, our next couple questions. The first one, Paul Mino asks, what feelings went through Goff's head after that game? She is referring to the Jared Goff revenge game that was... Start out hot. The Lions jumping out to a 10-0 lead against the Rams last week before squandering the lead away and Goff throwing two interceptions, I believe, to lose to his former team that traded him away. I imagine he felt pretty bad. Um, I unfortunately don't have a way to communicate with Jared Goff, and I am not Jared Goff, so I can't tell you exactly what he felt. If that was me, I would probably feel pretty upset and pretty... Uh, heartbroken and angry that the team I didn't want we had a chance to win the game I didn't necessarily lose us the game but I certainly didn't perform well enough to help us win the game so probably not great the next question comes from Matt Ewells this is second week in a row we sent something in thank you very much Ewells what game do you see Kentucky attending this year Going off of a couple previews of bowl game matchups and going off of what Kentucky has left on the schedule. They have one of the easier schedules, if not the easiest schedules in college football remaining. They have Mississippi State. They're going there this week. Tough. I don't know if it's exactly a tough game, but a tough environment. Then they welcome Tennessee, who I think they're dangerous, but I think they're beatable. Then they go to Vanderbilt, welcome to Mexico State, and Louisville. I think at worst you're looking at 10-2. and two. Like, you drop maybe one of the Mississippi State-Tennessee games that you honestly probably shouldn't. And then at best, you're looking at 11-1. and one. That's a New Year's 
Day Bowl. That's probably a Peach Bowl in Atlanta. That's probably a Sugar Bowl, um, a Fiesta Bowl. One of those. I would be super happy if it was a Sugar Bowl and they got to go to NOLA. I would certainly try and make my way down there for that. Um, So I'm rooting more importantly for the Sugar Bowl or I guess the Peach Bowl because I would rather go to Atlanta because that's, I mean, we all know that's the running joke, like, see you in Atlanta, because the SEC championship game, that'd be pretty funny if the UK finally got to say, we'll see you in Atlanta, but it was for their bowl game rather than the SEC championship game, but I definitely don't want it to be, like, the Fiesta Bowl, and go out to Glendale, Arizona, that's not a fun, like, destination travel thing, it's just fucking hot in Glendale, it's not... Like, it's not a great celebratory place like a New Orleans or an Atlanta. So, preferably one of those. Moving on, our, I'm, I'm going to say Hannah Burns continues to let me know that I'm too nervous to ask the question. Hannah, literally, I'm over it. Just ask anything. No one cares what you ask. I answer literally every question that gets sent to me. Just ask whatever you want. There's no need to feel anxiety about this. Next question, three sets of questions, comes from Mike Bennett, who asks, what's the most money you've ever won from a single sports bet? Uh, Mike, I do not normally bet a ton of money. The few times that I have, I hit a parlay on the national championship game my junior year of college that won me $418, and that was in a uh, extremely celebratory night for me. Um, that was a great night. Honestly, I remember us all going to uh, Lina's up at UK and watching that. It was a great night. Uh, thank you for making me reminisce about that. Um, next question he asked, did you ever get a jug at St. X? If so, for what? Yes, um, I got a fair share of jugs at St. X. One was for plagiarizing something that I didn't even know I plagiarized. It was for a creative writing assignment. And it was like, write a, not a riddle or a poem. It was like just a short little something to show like you're creative. And I wrote this story that my dad told me growing up. And I mean, the story is probably like, 300, not even 300 words. Like, it's sub-150 words. And I didn't know it was a, like, actual publicated story or anything like that. I thought it was just something his dad told him or, like, his brothers told him or something. And I wrote it, and I didn't know it. And the teacher was not buying that excuse, even though, I mean, that was not an excuse. That was just factually what happened. Um, I got a jug, I got a three-day jug for that, and that was, I think, fucking ridiculous. I got a jug my senior year because on Polo Friday, um, I didn't have a Sanex Polo, so I just wore one of my dad's golf shirts, still technically a Polo, and I had a quarter zip, one of our football quarter zips on it, and I had it zipped up, so like, I wasn't... In, I guess I was breaking the rules, yes, but not really because I still had the quarter zip on. Uh, Tony Sheeler gave me a, a jug for that. I got 
a few more. I don't remember exactly. They couldn't have been anything serious or major because I would have remembered it. Um, I feel like I'm missing maybe like a, not an important one, but one that I was in there for like three or four days in a row for something. But yeah, like I got jugs, like whatever, deal with it. I was a bad boy. I, I had that reputation to protect. So from time to time I had to get a jug or two and that was the, that was the reputation. That was what I had to pay to do. And, and I did it. Uh, Mike's last question, the last question for the mail sack this week, does having a franchise running back matter in the NFL? If you ask a few of the last Super Bowl winners, absolutely not. Um, would you say Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones are franchise backs? Would you say Williams playoff, uh, Lenny last year and then Williams from the Chiefs a couple years ago where they franchise running backs no was James White or Rex Burkhead or any of the guys when the Patriots beat the Falcons were any of those guys no in when the Broncos won with Peyton Manning in his last year they didn't really have a franchise guy so ultimately it doesn't seem like it's a big deal I think Having a franchise guy helps, but and I'm personally for them. I want to have a good running back, preferably one good running back, because I hate the way the committee, the running back by committee, is sort of taking over the NFL. But I think if you can find a guy that is complimentary or at least has a skill set that fits the offense well, then maybe you necessarily don't need a all-pro franchise running back. You just need a good offensive line, good to great receivers, and that running back position can just be a guy that's, he's good, certainly not going to scoff at him. He's a starting NFL running back, but maybe not a franchise guy. But I personally am all for paying running backs. I know that's probably not like the popular opinion or whatever, but I support, they take a ton of punishment, a ton of beating, and the great ones deserve to get paid, and I think they are the they can they should be cornerstones of teams. But just the way the NFL is these days, unless they're pass catching and everything, and they're just unless they're pass catching backs, I think it's extremely hard to say, hey, we're gonna pay this guy a hundred plus million dollars to only run the ball. Like Derrick Henry is. Sort of the only guy that's like that, but even he catches like short dump downs and screen passes and is a moderate threat in the passing game. So um, technically to win a Super Bowl, you don't need a franchise running back, Mike, but I am all for the franchise running back. That is going to do it for the mail sack. As always, that segment is not possible without you all sending in your questions. So thank you very, very much. I greatly appreciate it. We are now going to shift focus into the NFL Week 8 and look at those matchups for this week. Just want to preface this. As I mentioned, um, answering Keegan's question, this podcast episode is being recorded on Tuesday of week eight of the NFL season. So I don't have a 
full clear picture about who's playing and who's not for some of these teams. So just be mindful of that when listening to this. The sack picks will be tweeted out uh, before the Sunday games to reflect those in case there are any changes. So keep your eye on my Twitter about that. But just scheduling-wise, this needed to be done today because of work. Running late, I would not have been able to get this portion of the podcast done before the NBA part done tomorrow that I'm recording with Ryan. So just bear with me here um, on these NFL picks. And you can listen back in hindsight with these on Thursday or Friday or Saturday or before the game Sunday and call me an idiot because I didn't know that I don't Ryan Tannehill was out because he had a flare up of gout or something. I don't know. Just bear with me. It's all I'm asking. Uh, We get started with that. Uh, The Thursday night game, the Packers going to the undefeated Cardinals. Packers, I can say definitively, they will be without Alan Lazard and they will be without um, Devontae Adams. All that means to me is that Aaron Jones is going to be running to the ground. He's probably going to get around 30 touches through the ground, uh, through the air as well. The Packers got Bakhtiari back there on the offensive line, so that's going to help them a ton in this game, dealing with Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. I'm cautiously optimistic to say the Packers can still pull off this upset. Um, Kyler Murray, the last few games, has looked, I think, pretty decent. And the receiving corps outside of DeAndre Hopkins has really stepped up in those games. The running game of Edmonds and Connor has looked pretty decent as well. So it's going to be imperative for the Packers to be able to take away one of those. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. And I really think that the absence of Adams is just going to be too much. So I will take the Cardinals to win on Thursday night. Uh, The next game, we have the Steelers going to the Cleveland Browns. And again, this is where the recording on this night comes into question with who's going to be available. Right now, I would probably say Baker's going to try and play in this game. And I think if Baker comes back and is not just a shell of his former self and that injury isn't too much of an issue, and if Nick Chubb, who all signs are indicating that he'll be back, and Odell plays, Jarvis Landry plays, Wyatt Teller plays, Uh, Conklin's back, Wills is back as well. I like the Browns' chances in this in a lot. It's going to be imperative for the Browns to be able to make open field tackles because I don't really know if the Steelers' offense is going to be able to capitalize on the big plays down the field, but if they are able to matriculate their way down the field with the short passes and maybe Claypool or Najee Harris or Deontay Johnson can break a tackle or find a seam and break one for like a 50-yard touchdown. I think it's going to take a lot of plays like that for the Steelers to score in this game. And so the open field tackling for the Browns is going to be extremely important in this. The Browns are pretty decent against the run, so I can see them maybe taking that aspect of the Steelers' offense away. But you still have to worry about Najee Harris in the passing game, especially with how Big Ben is performing this year he likes the shorter dump off passes I will take the Browns in this one they need this win I think very badly they get the win last night on Thursday not last night last week on Thursday night football against the Broncos when they really needed a win I think it being in Cleveland helps as well so I'm going to take the Browns over the Steelers 
In the next game, we have the Panthers and the Falcons. The Falcons getting to 3-3, three and three, 500 last week after Young Way Koo hits the game-winning field goal as time expired. The story in this game, I think, really is Sam Darnold, after starting the season and looking pretty good, has come back now. Um, eight interceptions on the year to only seven touchdowns. So he's looking a little jetsy, Sam Darnold. I wonder how much really that is not having a running game as much and maybe facing stiffer competition. I am going to go with the Falcons in this one. Matt Ryan's looked really good. Kyle Pitts is coming along extremely well. They got back Ridley last week. Cordell Patterson is still good. And that defense for the Falcons, they're not world beaters by any means, but I think they're going to be able to force a turnover or two from Sam Darnold that's going to end up winning them this game. The next game, I think, is going to be an absolute slaughter. You have the Dolphins going to the Bills off a bye week. We saw last year what happened the last time the Dolphins went up to Buffalo. It was two as, I think he threw four or five interceptions, and it was just really over from the moment that game started. I don't think it's going to be as bad as that, but the defensive line for the Bills is going to be able to get pressure on him all game. The Dolphins O-line is terrible at blocking. Devontae Parker is, I don't know if he's back. If he came back last week or if he's back this week, that should be another weapon to be able to throw to with Gesicki and Waddle coming along nicely. But it's going. I think it's going to be an extremely throw-the-ball-as-much-as-they-can type game script for the Dolphins. They'll probably fall behind. Um, unless the, their defense can turn Josh Allen over and... The Dolphins' defense hasn't been as good at doing that this year as they were last year. So I think the Bills just absolutely route the Dolphins in this one pretty comfortably. The next game, we have the Bears hosting the 49ers. The Bears were a sack pick last week. I thought, hey, maybe they could backdoor cover, sneak in a late touchdown or something. I thought Justin Fields could maybe do some garbage time damage against the Buccaneers' defense. Not a chance because the... Bears offensive line, just absolutely terrible performance they had last Sunday. And it doesn't get much easier this week when they welcome the 49ers. I am going to take the 49ers over the Bears. I know Jimmy Garoppolo kind of sucked last week as well, but that was a tough condition game. I don't know the conditions right now in what Chicago is going to look like on Sunday, but I just think that the offensive weapons around Garoppolo are going to be able to propel them to a win, and I think the defense for San Francisco is good enough to cause some issues for that defensive, excuse me, the defensive line for the 49ers is able to cause some issues for that beat-up, bad Bears line, so I will take the 49ers in this one. The next game, we have the Eagles and the Lions. Are the Lions ever going to win a football game? I'm asking that. I thought they would certainly blow their win total for the year of five out of the water. Um, it doesn't appear that's going to be the case. There's only ten games left in the season, and so they have to win half of those. You haven't won a game yet. Is this the game? I think this is probably going to be one of the wonky, like, probably like a 43-39 to 39 game or something like that, just... A weird score, weird game, but I will take the Lions to win this somehow, some way. Um, the Eagles going to be without Miles Sanders for a couple weeks with his injury, so I think that helps as well. Um, I think that defense is 
for the Lions. Probably pretty much knows, hey, we just got to stop Jalen Hurts, and I know that's easier said than done, but I don't think there's going to be much of a run game for them to have to worry about. So I do think the Lions finally get their first win this week. The next game, we have the Titans and the Colts. The Titans coming off two massive wins against the Chiefs last week where they held them to only three points. That's extremely impressive. And then the Bills the week before. Both of those games were at home. I don't know how much you want to put a stake into that, but just to note that, they go to the Colts this week. And the Colts, I think I, I understand they were underdogs last week, but... Maybe they actually just were the better team. Um, Carson Wentz, 11 touchdowns on the year, only one interception. He's turning the ball over, but it's with fumbles and stupid things like that. Um, see, this is tough. This is real tough. Both these teams have some wide receivers that are really fine in their stride right now. Michael Pittman for the Colts. Two touchdowns, the game-winning one last week, 508 yards through the air, and then A.J. Brown had his best game of the year last week. Um, he's got two touchdowns on the year, 354 yards. He's finally getting healthy. This just seems... I think Tennessee wins this. This is going to be a tough-fought game. I think maybe possibly the game of the week to keep an eye on, uh, but I will take the Titans over the Colts. The next game, keep this one pretty short and sweet, the Bengals and the Jets. Uh, the Jets are going to be without Zach, without Zach Wilson. I believe Joe Flacco is going to start for them. I have no trust, no faith in Joe Flacco at this point in his career. I will take the Bengals to move to 6-2. and two. Next game, sort of easy as well. The Rams going to the Texans. I think they might get Tyrod Taylor back down there in Houston, but I Love the guy, but I don't think is enough to make that big of a difference. I go with the Rams comfortably in this one. The next game, we have the Patriots and the Chargers. I think you could see the Chargers maybe struggle a little bit. Maybe Bill has something dialed up for Justin Herbert. Uh, but I don't think that their offense for the Patriots is good enough to hang with the Chargers over the course of four games. So I am going to take... The Chargers over the Patriots in this one. The game after that, we have the Jaguars going to the Seahawks. The Seahawks coming off a tough Monday night loss to the Saints this past week. Call me crazy, off the bye, I I feel some little optimism here for what the Jaguars have. I know they got to go west, and that's typically eh. It's a 4-0-5 game, though, so they'll feel like a 1 o'clock game. Jaguars offense can probably outscore them. It's just going to be how well can their defense stop Geno Smith. And admittedly, Geno Smith doesn't strike a lot of fear into my eyes. And especially with sort of the lack of running game that they've had after Chris Carson went out. So I'll take the Jaguars. I can't believe I'm saying that to pull off this upset. The next game, we have the Broncos hosting the Washington football team. You couldn't pay me to watch this game. Uh, I just think two very eh teams. I will go with the Broncos in this one. Maybe a bit of a rebound game from last week. They probably got chewed out um, after letting Case Keenum and Dearness Johnson just basically do whatever they wanted to them all game. A bit of a rebound game. 
Uh, and Washington's defense can't really stop anybody. The Broncos are set to get back Jerry Judy, I believe, to compliment Cortland Sutton, uh, Melvin Gordon, and Williams there as well. Teddy Bridgewater, a uh, few extra days of rest to get fully healthy, maybe return to early season Teddy form. So I will go with the Broncos over the football team. The next game, we have the Buccaneers going to the Saints. I'm going to go with... Man, I really want to pick the Saints. I really do. I think Kamara is going to have an absolutely massive game. He had 178 yards and a touchdown last week. 178 total yards receiving and rushing. It'll be interesting to see if the Saints get Mike Thomas back this week. If they do, I think that adds a piece to that offense for Jameis that isn't necessarily there yet as this like short intermediate route guy that he can dump it off to and get yards after the catch or things like that that instead of just throwing it to Kamara or throwing it deep there can be a guy in the middle of the field that can make those tough contested catches I think that's going to help Jameis out a lot Um, if they do get him back I feel a little bit more confident but I think the Saints defense is sneakily right now one of the top three to four defenses in the NFL if they can get pressure on Brady um, I like this game a lot for the Saints so I'm going to go with the Saints to beat the Buccaneers the next game the Sunday night game will probably be an extremely high scoring game the Cowboys going to the Vikings I'm gonna go with the Cowboys in this one the only Issue of concern I have is if Dak is going to be a fully healthy. I expect him to play. He had that calf issue. You saw him leaving after the New, the New England game in that boot, but it was all precautionary and all signs pointed to him playing. But I think coming off the bye, both of these teams coming off the bye, I just feel more confident in what the Cowboys have. And if they can, I expect Diggs to have another turnover. Cousins is prob is prone to those so I will take the Cowboys over the Vikings and then the Sunday night game excuse me the Monday night game the Giants going to the Chiefs it's about time the Chiefs fucking show up Um, this could be the ultimate get right game and I think it will be I think the Chiefs just absolutely roll the Giants this week that is going to do it for week eight in the NFL we are now going to shift focus to college football and the week ahead in that. The first game from the week nine I want to talk about is Kentucky, 12th in the country, coming off the bye week after the tough loss to Georgia. They go down and play Mississippi State, who their quarterback in Rodgers, 18 touchdowns on the year, 7 interceptions with that prolific air raid spread out Mike Leach offense. It's going to be interesting to see the Cats finally get some guys, Josh Ali back, our wide receiver, take some of the responsibility off of Wanda Robinson. I think if UK is going to win this game, it might have to be in classic Stoops fashion. It might need to be a control the ball, run the ball, kill some clock type game, rather than let's go down there and try and put up 40 points and hit Wandell on a ton of deep passes and everything. UK's defense as well, getting um, healthier after that bye week, I think is going to help. The secondary has looked good most of this season um 
it's going to be a tough challenge. Again, down at Mississippi State, that environment is always crazy. I think UK can win this game. We saw the line movement already. Mississippi State opened up as three-point favorites. It's already now to UK one-and-a-half, whether that's the public rushing in or the sharp money getting in when they did. I like Kentucky in this one. The next game, you have Penn State coming off the nine overtime. Yes, nine overtime game against Illinois. Coming off that loss, going to Ohio State, number five in the country. Ohio State coming off the 54-7 to victory against Indiana. I want to get out and say this. Ohio State's going to win this game. The spread right now is 18.5. I have no clue really what is leading people to bet that this game is always close normally close I mean yes Ohio State has won the majority of the games in recent memory uh last year a bit of an exception with how close it was but the this game is typically very close Sean Clifford for Penn State I understand he's a little banged up but James Franklin said that he anticipates him to be 100%. I think he is a dangerous enough guy, especially with Dotson on the outside at receiver for Penn State and the running game that they do have with Kane. I think they're good enough to hang with Ohio State for like three or four quarters. Four quarters being like around the 12-minute mark. It's like a seven or ten-point game, and then there's a costly turnover, and Ohio State converts that into points whether it's a 13 or a touchdown after that excuse me a like say it's a 10 point game with 10 minutes left Penn State's driving and then oh interception oh fumble and Ohio State converts that into a field goal or a touchdown and then it's just sort of out of reach I can see something like that happening I think these teams are too good to not I just don't foresee a situation where this game actually is this 18 and a half point victory for Ohio State um I will say this is a great test for this Ohio State defense, something I've been wanting to see them have since the Oregon game, since that three-game stretch where they were playing sort of nobodies and that defense did come along. So I'm interested to see how they go. Ohio State wins this game, but I don't know if it's by the 18-and-a-half. Especially being at Ohio State, that can and will be a factor, but uh, again, Ohio State wins, but I don't know if by 18-and-a-half. Uh, The next big game in the Big Ten East, we have Michigan going to Michigan State. I like Michigan State in this one. Um, Sort of strength against strength. The run game, Michigan's a little bit better than Michigan State, but the passing game that Michigan State has is, I think, just astronomically better than what Michigan has. And if, if you're only running the ball, like, I feel confident enough in Michigan State to be able to slow that run game down of Michigan to where McNamara has to go and win this game for them. He's only got five touchdowns, one interception on the year, 1,100 yards. Like, I'm not fully confident in anything he can do through the air. And uh, this run game has been great for Michigan. The defense has been great for Michigan. The defense has been very good, too great for Michigan State. And they have one of the best running backs in Walker, there he's got nine touchdowns 937 yards compared to quorum the running back for michigan 729 yards but 10 touchdowns it should be a hell of a game it will probably come down to one of if not the last possession but ultimately i do have michigan state winning that game and it's in east lansing i think that's going to play a little bit of a factor as well i'll take 
again, Michigan State. The next game I want to look at is Texas going to 16th-ranked Baylor. Go ahead and look at Bohannon, the quarterback for Baylor, 12 touchdowns and one interception with 1,500 yards. Thompson through the air for Texas and the Longhorns, 1,274 yards, 15 touchdowns. Five interceptions, and then Bijan Robinson has been great. But then Smith for Baylor as well, 785 yards and 10 touchdowns on the ground. Baylor sneaking up on some people. Um, I feel like their defense is one of the better in the country from my understanding, and this offense seems to be doing all right as well. Um, Texas, I believe, is the favorite in this. Uh, excuse me, Baylor. Baylor giving three. Um, going into this, before looking at it, I was – Sort of all in on Texas pulling off this upset, but I think Baylor gets up for this game and Baylor ends up winning. Um, moving on, we have Georgia and Florida playing as well. I think Georgia's defense absolutely rolls in this one. Um, unless they, unless Florida totally commits to the uh, backup or slash, however you want to call it, Quarterback, I don't think Emory Jones is the guy for Florida at all. If they commit to the other guy there, I think they have a decent chance. Um, Emory Jones leads Florida in rushing. That's not great by any means with only 495 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Bennett, Stenson Bennett, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions so far for Georgia. Zamir White, seven touchdowns. Bowers, the tight end, six touchdowns for Georgia. I just think Georgia absolutely Rolls in this one. Continuing on, Ole Miss and Auburn. This just feels like a game Auburn wins for some reason. I don't. I don't know why. It just does. Um, I'm gonna say Ole Miss does end up winning. Um, I think Crow's just gonna be too much. Uh, passing, running, whatever he needs to do. I think he's just going to be too much. And Bo Nix makes a few late-game mistakes that end up costing them this game. Louisville goes to North Carolina State. I like North Carolina State in that one. Um, I just like what their quarterback, Leary, does. 17 touchdowns, only two interceptions, so not turning the ball over a whole lot. So I will go with North Carolina State in that one. And then... Virginia playing BYU, I'll take Virginia. Um, I know going to BYU, a late game, it can be a little difficult uh, going to Provo, but Brennan Armstrong, love what he's doing so far. 23 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 3,200 yards. I will go with them, with the Cavaliers over BYU. And then that is going to do it for the college football week 9. Some good games on the slate as well. Keep your eyes peeled on that. But now we are going to shift focus and do the NBA preview where I am going to be joined by Ryan Moore. I am now joined by Ryan Moore. Ryan Moore is back for, I'm saying maybe the fourth or fifth time that we've done a NBA preview of some sorts, normally before the season and then before the playoffs. As you can tell by the timing of this, it is before the season. So we are going to go through our season predictions We're going to go through, I don't know if you did this, I went through and did the top 10 since that's who is going to be. I did, yeah, I did the top 9 because there's like the the playing game. game. Okay, so we're good with that. And then we're going to go through and give you the player awards and then our conference finals 
and the NBA Finals predictions. So if you want to start, you get to pick the East or the West and however you want to order them. You want to do the East standings first and start with like nine? That's perfect. Okay, for nine, I had the Hornets. Yes, same. Really? I had, okay. Yes. Um, I wow. like I like what they're doing. Yeah. I like what they're doing with their young core. Uh, P.J. Washington, Lamelo, Miles Bridges is turning it up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, who else is on that team that's like Terry, playing really well? No, Terry got traded, uh, I believe. I think. Hate hate that for Mr. Rozier. Was he the problem? Is that yeah, they might, get rid he, of him he, and he, they turn it around? Uh, they had, they got Gordon Hayward, so they got a nice little I'm, veteran in there. But uh, he's I'm indifferent about him yeah. as well. But I don't like him. I just don't like don't him. Don't like him at all. No. Uh, he was upset because he was having another girl. Like, who cares? Oh, yeah. It's just he, a kid. Be, he didn't want to be a girl dad, I guess. It's a kid. But, no, I'm right there with you. I like the Hornets at number nine. Um, just to start, backtrack one for me. I had the Pacers at 10, so they'll be in that. Uh, I, I, play I didn't put it 10, thing. but Pacers will probably be my number 10. Okay, and then who's your number eight? The Knicks. The Knicks. Okay, we are, we're different already. Go ahead. What do you got about the Knicks? Uh, I mean, I like their <clears> squad. I like what they added with Kemba. Um, I just, I don't know. I think they're still young. They had a good year last year, and the East was kind of down. I feel like the East has gotten a little bit better this year. I feel like uh, the with East rosters. is super top-heavy. Yeah, it's super top-heavy, so I, I don't know. I'm indifferent about where I put the Knicks, but I just feel like I have seven teams that are probably better than them. Gotcha. I can be consistently better throughout gotcha. the year. And then, so you have the Knicks there. My number eight, I have the Chicago Bulls. I like what they bring over. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm real high on the Bulls, so we're indifferent <laughs> on that one. I like what they bring over with Lonzo, and then you have Levine there already, and then DeMar DeRozan and everything. That's and Vucevic is a beast. Vucevic, yes. They but, don't really have a bench, but like I feel like their top five is, is really good. So it, mess, it meshes pretty well. If Lonzo can continue to progress and grow into like what... His dad's been saying he was going to be for 10 years now. If he can progress into that, then I like this Bulls team a lot. But I still think, like you said, the depth is a bit of an issue. And if you're going to win a bunch of games in this league to be at like a top five or four seed like that, you're going to need depth and bench production, right. especially in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So that's a big concern to me. So I have them there at eight. Uh, who is your number seven in the East? I have the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. Another team, just like the Hawks, or just like the Knicks, where they had a really good top four, top five seed last year. That I think they just kind of take a step down this year. Um that has nothing to do with them at all. I just I just find teams better than them. And then the reason they need to stay healthy. Trey Young and John Collins, they kind of have minor tweaks throughout the year. So if they can stay healthy, then they'll be better than a seven. But for like my prediction as a total, I would put them right there at seven. Okay. And then for my seven, I have the 76ers. I am so out on the 76ers. I'm so tired of the Ben Simmons drama. Um it's Joel Embiid's team now, which is good. He's probably going to be in the running for MVP if all else goes well. Mm-hmm. But stays healthy for sure. I think there's question marks around the rest of that roster. I mean, you have Maxi, who in Ben Simmons' absence has been playing more and playing decently and everything. That's going to be key for them this year is if he can take that second step in his second year to get better. I'm still... Not sold on Tobias Harris, regardless <laughs> of 
how much they're paying him. So I'm not really high yeah, on the 76ers. They don't, they don't, they don't at all. have too much depth at all. No. In the second, like in the, with the guards. Like there, there's no, they got like Shake Milton. They uh, still have Seth. Moss. They have Seth. He's starting. I like he's been, Seth. He's been balling. Danny yeah. Green, which. Um, no. You can keep him. I don't need <laughs> him at all. But yeah, I, I think they're good enough to make the playoffs. Maybe take a. If they're the seven, they'll play the two, maybe steal one or two games from them. But I am just not in on the 76ers at all. Who is your number six seed? 76ers. 76ers. I, I am very indifferent about them as well. I, I didn't want to put them as low as seven to eight, but at the same time, I was like, I can see that happening. Just because their depth. If they're having Joel Embiid that just running the team, that kind of scares me because, I mean, he is injury prone. So... And I don't know what they're going to do about Ben Simmons. I guess they're keeping him captive. I, I don't know. If you And just to speak on that, if like you watch the 76ers at all in the playoffs the last couple of years, and B just looks tired and worn out mm-hmm. by like game five and six of like longer series, and that's sort of even without him being like the team's number one guy, like like person they're going to go to in the regular season. Imagine how much that's going to take on him. Couple that with the playoffs if they don't get Ben Simmons back. So I'm right there with you, not with the 76ers at all. What do you think about the Ben Simmons situation? Like who's in the right there, the 76ers or Ben Simmons? I mean, I don't even know what's wrong. Like, is it, like I don't know why he does, just doesn't want to play for the franchise, I guess. Because they um, told him to basically go, you suck. Basically. <laughs> I mean, he, I, mean, he, I wouldn't he, want to play he, he for had him. Probably one of the worst performances I've ever seen in the playoffs last year. I definitely I think mean, the criticism's warranted, but like the free throw percentage was just awful. Field goal percentage. I mean, he had his wide open layups all the time, and he just misses, and he just passes up on him because he's too scared. Well, I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to be put <laughs> on. Like, if I'm bad at something, I don't want to be put in a situation where all eyes on me. Of the people in the arena, and then everybody watching at home, and then social media. Like I don't like that idea at all. I'm I'm on Ben Simmons' side, sort of in this mm. whole situation. Like I personally wouldn't want to go to a job if the people at my job, the higher ups at my job, and like the fans of mm. my job just told me like, "Hey, you suck," yeah. and like. So I'm on this side. If I were the 76ers, I would trade them and try to get more assets because you're not just going to get one player back. You'll get multiple guys, and I, maybe and maybe a future round pick. So the Thunder, they can they have restart. Like a picks, they so, can yeah. restart the rebuild. They can jumpstart it with Ben Simmons there. Get a pick back. Um, so you had the 76ers at six. At six for me, I have the New York Knicks. Um, they bring a lot of lot back. They are sort of the antithesis for me of the other New York team, the Nets. Like, the Nets are like this big, flashy, like, big three team. And then the Knicks, yes, there are good players on that team. But with Tibbs as their head coach, they seem to, like, win ugly all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, diving on the floor, out-rebounding teams, things like that. Um, I like that style ball. Um, We saw last year how... Tibbs was sort of able to adjust playing time and minutes and things like that, so he wasn't running players into the ground by playoff time. Um, 
So they're at my sixth seed. The Knicks are. Um, I like that they bring in Kemba. I think that was a good fit. I think he needed out of Boston. Yeah, that's a really good fit. <clears throat> and I like their bench as well with Derrick Rose and a couple other guys. So um, I think the Knicks are playoff bound again. Who is your five in the East? Uh, the Bulls. <clears throat> I, I had the Bulls at five. Uh, I like their starting five. I like their head coach. Um, but, yeah, like you said, their their lack of depth is very – it's not concerning, but I think their uh, starting five can, can contribute to – like pick up that lack, but I have them at five. I I was debating that like that four five six range like a lot. So was I. Um, the number, excuse me, the number five for me is the Boston Celtics. I'm still a believer in Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, they pay Marcus Smart over either last year or, like, over the summer this year, and they bring in Dennis Schroeder on a discounted one-year deal. I like that pickup. Um, besides them, though, I'm not, like, nobody really fires me up about this team. Mm-hmm. Um, you go and you look. Josh Richardson's there. Enos Cantor's there. Um, he's certainly allowed to do this. He seems a little bit preoccupied with yeah. the <laughs> change in the world thing, and I totally get that. I'm happy They're for you. I'm not him that much. Um, but there's just a lot of pieces there that aren't solidified yet. And they, I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are good enough to like mask those deficiencies at times. And I think Schroeder, Schroeder on the one-year deal will want to like prove and play his best ball this entire year to get paid in the future. So I'll put them there. And then you also have the first-year head coach. I'm going to butcher his name, but Emi Udoko. I have no clue. Is that his name? I don't know how to say it. I but it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to the NBA as a head coach and everything in his first year. So uh, I have the Boston Celtics at five. Who is your number four? Boston Celtics. Uh, I like what they did. Uh, their roster definitely improved with Dennis Schroeder. Uh, I also like the pickup of Josh Richardson. I think he's a great shooter, a great veteran <clears throat> to surround a lot of those young guys that the Celtics have on their team. With uh, Jalen Brown and Tatum, I know they're the leaders of the team and they handle the big bulk of the scoring, but they're also still 23, 24, 25 years old, however old they are. So it's nice to have that veteran leadership in there. They brought back Al Horford. I mean, he's a a legend there, so they like him there. So I think he can bring another uh, more leadership there. And then uh, Marcus Smart. I mean, I think he's always a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year every single year. So I think uh, they have a nice they have a nice mesh of people in the in the front, but um, their uh, their four and fives aren't too strong. No, is that Dice guy Dice whatever his no, name? No, he's gone. I think he's on the Raptors. Darn, he looked like the most Boston guy possible for them. Um, so they were your number four. My number four is the Atlanta Hawks. Um, piggybacking off what you said earlier about the. Health-wise and everything, I think four is like their baseline. If everybody stays healthy, I think they could go as high as three, maybe even two, if there's yeah. still issues and with uh, a Nets. And then Bogdanovich, or it was either Bogdanovich or uh, one of the other guys on their team that got hurt throughout the year last year as well. So, but Trey Young there, John Collins, but. How you said Bodon, however you say his name. Uh, Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Kevin Herter. I like. 
I like Carter. Basically, and they got Lou Will there for, yes. uh, to mentor them. Clint Capella, Gorgie Jang is there as well. Gorgie so is there. there's potential there um, for this team that I think. They get rid of Gallinari? They did not. He's still on the team. Really? Yeah. Okay. I believe so. Either way. Um, I think last year was a big step for yeah, he is on the team. for their team and what they're trying to do. Like Trey Young before last year, he was scoring a ton, like making highlight plays, but I think last year the organization sorted to himself, he showed like, hey, I'm good enough to go and win like playoff games and series and so is this team. And I think that's gonna be a stepping stone for this organization and this team to the future, which is why I have them so high this year. And they have such a young core guys that if the money's right and they can keep guys there, they can keep them for a long time. And this can be a yearly thing where the Hawks are up near the top of the East standings. Uh, who is your number three? Uh, the Nets. Uh, I mean, I love their roster, except the Kyrie uh, thing that's going on. So if they had a full roster, I'd probably put them at one. If they're healthy throughout the entire entire year, they're the best team in the NBA. Probably they're not gonna be. But they never not going, are. They're not going to be. So I have them at three. Uh, I think the the top three are just it's inevitable on who they are. I think they're just way better than the rest of the East. Um, so you can put them at one. You can put them at two. You can put them at three. You can put any of that top three anywhere. I feel like this year. Um, but I, I like what they're doing. They have a lot of veterans. Um, I like I like their late dra- draft pick that they had of Cam Thomas for LSU. I don't know if he'll get a lot of PT this year at all, but I'll, I really like that pick after they lost Landry Shamit. I like I like the signing that they get did of Shamit last year. He didn't it didn't pan out how they wanted yeah. to specifically, but I did like that sign as well. Um, and Patty Mills has been killing it for him. I, I liked that veteran pickup like, a he, lot. Where did he go to college? Uh, St. Mary's. Yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a long time. He stayed at the Spurs his entire career, yeah. right? And now he's he's going to retire a Spur. I, I mean, he's, he's, he's a Spur legend. He's going to be better than Kyrie. It's right up there. It's <laughs> Tim than Kyrie Duncan, on the Nets. Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and then Patty Mills. Patty Mills, the fourth. Um, the so they were your third third yeah, seed. Uh, mine is the Miami Heat. I like. That they bring Kyle Lowry, they already have Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero as like the sixth sort of guy coming off the bench, Duncan Robinson as well, who just scores in bunches. Um, they bring in one of the most underrated players in the NBA, P.J. Tucker as well. He's a proven champion coming off a, a uh, NBA Finals title with the Bucks last year. Um, I just like the way this team is constructed. Spolster, one of the best coaches in the entire league, if not the best. So um, I think the Heat are in for a good year this year. Uh, who's your number two? The Miami Heat. Uh, I also like, I really like what they did this offseason with Kyle Lowry. Uh, Gorgon Dragic, I, I love Gorgon, Gorgon Dragic. I loved what he did at the Miami Heat, but I just feel like he wasn't getting it done exactly what they needed. So I feel like Kyle is just like the perfect fit for the Miami culture, I feel like. And him and Jimmy are, like, really good friends. So that always helps with chemistry. Uh, Tyler Hero, I mean, he's stepping up. He's had a good offseason, good preseason. And he's killing it the first three or four games so far. Um, I really like, like you said, the P.J. Tucker pickup. They also picked up Markeith Morris. 
And then whenever Victor Victor Oladipo comes back, I, I feel like once they get back to full strength, uh, they can be they could potentially end up as the number one seed. But for right now, I got them at number two. And I liked how you the lineups, like how deep they are. There's like they can field a team of five guys that all of them can handle the ball, get their own. I mean, I mean, understand Duncan Robinson isn't the most skilled ball handler, but I think he's decent enough that. He could go get a bath if you need to. Yeah. So I like their versatility where they can throw five out there. And Bam Adebayo, how can we oh, not mention him, <laughs> who one of yeah, the better rising players oh, yeah, sure. in the NBA. Um, so they're your number two. My number two uh, is the Nets. I am not sold on them at all. Like, I do, they're good. Like, obviously, they have probably the best big three, but... It doesn't seem like it's going to be a big three, like, until Kyrie gets vaccinated. Vaccinated or, yeah, I don't know. Which, um, yeah, I'm not getting not, into any of that. Probably not happening. Kevin Durant and James Harden probably aren't going to stay healthy the entire year. Um, and if they do, then they're, they're probably going to be limited towards the end of the year if they already clinched the seed. And I, they got better this offseason, but I'm still not sold on, like, the role players that they have like Blake Griffin he's declining but he's still an okay option um they LaMarcus Aldridge is retired for a little bit and came back LaMarcus yeah (laughs) retired and coming back the Patty Mills sign how you said love that signing for them they bring in Paul Millsap who's been doing fairly decent um Joe Harris their shooting guard is he's like the second leading scorer or something for them or like Three pointers Who? made. Joe Harris. Oh yeah, he's like yeah, the yeah. second most three pointers made for them, which I think is more about nobody really plays for the Nets that long. Uh, but I'm still putting them second just because when, say even two or two out of the big three play, they still are probably the second best team because those guys are as good as they are and they elevate everybody around them. So who is your number one? The Milwaukee Bucks, the reigning champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't really add anybody, but they brought everybody back pretty much. And I really like their core. I really like Giannis, obviously. Chris Middleton, hell of a player. Um, if they can get uh, Pat Connaughton and Deontay DiVincenzo like, back to being 100% healthy, they're, they're even scarier than they were what they were last year. Um, I like that pickup last year that they had of Bobby Portis. Jordan Nora is playing more minutes. Um, so I really like him as well. He can come off the ball and shoot it pretty well. And then uh, Rodney Hood. I didn't realize he was on the team, but I, I've always liked Rodney Hood. I feel like he's been a decent uh, bench player coming off the bench. He's had a couple big games when he was at the Trailblazers, but uh, I really like him. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I always loved the Drew Holiday edition when they, when they did that, when they did that trade, so... Um, Milwaukee Bucks, reigning champions, number one seed. And they are also my number one seed in the East. I echo everything you say. I think the role players that they brought back and the entire team that they brought back, obviously good enough to win an NBA championship. Why not just run it back? Yeah, they they lost P.J. Tucker. Forgot about that. But I I think Giannis and Bobby Portis can handle it. Yeah, I think they can. Um, So that does it for the East. Let's go ahead and look at the West now. Uh, who is your number nine seed in the Man, West? I, I was struggling with these standings because I'm like so indifferent about different teams. But at uh, nine, I had Grizzlies. The Grizzlies? Okay, I like what they're doing. I love what they're doing. 
just the West is just so deep. I mean, I really like their team. Uh, Dylan Brooks is coming off an injury. He hasn't played this season yet, but um, Desmond Bain, he's been stepping up. DeAnthony Milton, he's been killing it recently. But uh, I like their young core and Jaw and uh, Triple J, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I really like them. And then Steven Adams is always going to get you like a double-double pretty much almost every night. The Grizzlies are a team that I am auditioning to become my favorite team. Like, ever since LeBron's been in the NBA, I've never had, like... They're fairly close to Louisville as well. A favorite team, it's just been, like, I root for LeBron. So, I was a Cavs, Heat, and... They're a good team to get on. I forgot Brandon Clark. I mean, he Mm -hmm. he killed it last year. So, they have a very nice squad. And then, how you said there's so many, like... Great teams in the West and everything. I have a take about the West. I don't think, you think it's down this year compared I don't, to the East. I don't think there's any like great team like no team that comes out of the West scares me if I'm a team coming out of the East. Like I think there's the top three is probably better in the East than it is in the West. I think there's a lot of that's the LeBron effect. They all went to the East, so they didn't have to <laughs> go through him. Um, no, I think the top there's probably like four to five teams in the West that you could make an argument for that are going to, like, that could win. Could be contenders. Yeah. yeah. And I think each of those teams has, like, a little bit of a flaw or, like, injury history Injuries that or, keeps yeah. them from that. Um, so I'm a little bit down on the West this year, but that's not to say there's not good teams. Good teams and that's yeah. what made this ranking hard because it was hard to discern. Yeah, because you got to include, like, injuries, chemistry, like... All that stuff, it's hard. So the Grizzlies were your nine. My nine was the Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, they're on a streak right now of 12 years in a row making the playoffs. I think they continue to do that, but I'm not a big fan of like what they have going on. They just keep running it out there with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and mm. hoping that those two guys are going to just magically – like score 50 points a night it seems right. like and everything else will just work out and that's just not the case um so i think they make the playoffs still but i'm not fired about them i think maybe they move on from McCollum after the end of this year but that seems like you might even go into a total rebuild then and then do you i don't know if damian Lillard wants out but at that point you just move on from him because he's going to be probably at the peak of his career and you get as much as you can from him. So it'll be interesting to see what the Trailblazers actually do. Um, who is your eighth seed? The Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I, I mean, Damian Lillard's probably like my top three, top five player in the league currently. Uh, I just always loved his game as soon as he came into the league. Uh, but I agree. I think they need to, they just need to switch something up. I don't know if they need to switch it up like before the trade deadline or this offseason. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think they need to move on from CJ. And they can get some picks. They could get some assets back from from him. And uh, I really like Yusuf Nurkic as well, if he can stay healthy. but He looks I, I, great in street clothes on the sideline when he's hurt. He looks very <laughs> cool. I will give him cool. that. He does look cool. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I love the – I love the Blazers. I love Damian Lillard, but they just consistently are always at the bottom of the West. But they do they do make it. They make it every almost every year. I mean, so. the rest of those guys besides McCollum and Lillard, like they don't. Norman, stand out. Norman Powell, Cody Zeller, 
Greg Brown, I'm a rookie, Dennis Smith Jr., Anfrey Simmons, Nasir Little, Covington, who I think's decent, but like Yeah, he's okay. These aren't Ben McLemore, these aren't people that are moving the needle and like getting you over a hump. This this is like sort of already a rebuilding roster yeah. at times it feels I like. I think this is them. one of the destinations I saw for like a rumor for Ben Simmons, but I don't know what the trade exactly was. I wouldn't even know how he would fit in. Well, he <laughs> yeah. he could just pass the ball, which is fine. To Damian or yeah. CJ, I guess. I don't know how that would work. Um, so they were your eighth. My eighth were the Grizzlies. So, um, swap, swap. Yeah, echoing a lot of what you said. Um, ja, in his third year, I think he's due to take a massive leap. It yeah, seems like he already, already is. the le- league-leading scorer yeah. in the first four games. Um, and then Jaron Jackson Jr., I love what he has what he brings that team and then you mentioned Steven Adams I thought that was a sneaky good pickup for them um a walking double double basically does a ton of the little things and has been a part of winning cultures in the past with the Thunder at times um so I like what he brings there so the Grizzlies are my number eight uh who is your number seven it is the Dallas Mavericks we're seeing eye to eye here we like this like this uh I mean, outside of Luca, I mean, I like Porzingis, I do, but just outside of Luca, this roster doesn't really pop. Uh, it hasn't popped for two years. No, no. I mean, I like I like Tim Hardaway Jr. as well, but just like their they're just their bench, their bench is like not good at all. They're uh, they're three through five. They're small forward, power forward, and center don't really do that much, especially when Kristaps is. Is hurt, which I mean happens, has, a, lot. happens a lot. He's looked healthy this. He's looked healthy, summer, and, and, but... yeah, and he looked pretty good in the preseason. But if that just that's the that's the concern. I don't know if you want to re like rebuild again or move on from Kristaps. But if he can stay healthy, obviously you want to you want to build around Luca and Kristaps. But I just don't know if I can trust him being one hundred percent healthy every single year and playing like seventy plus games a year Mm-mm. no um mirroring a lot of what you said i think outside of luca this and Porzingis to an extent this team's thin thinning um mm-hmm. tim hardaway jr at the number two um he made 207 three-pointers last year which is great um dorian finney smith he comes in good defender three-point shooter then uh, I like J- Jalen Brunson a lot. Brunson from Villanova, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their other big, besides Porzingis, uh, Maxi Kleber. 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 Uh, yeah, however you say it. Uh, he shot 41% from three-point last year, so that helps a lot. Um, Forgot uh, they picked up uh, Moses Brown from uh, the Thunder trade that they had. Uh, he's a very young guy from UCLA, but he's he's very promising, I feel like, but... He's very young, and he's got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I I don't think the Mavs did enough to improve. They made the playoffs last year, correct? Yes. Yeah, so I they make it again. Luka probably mm-hmm. has a few games in there where he goes off or hits a game winner again and again, and then they fade out probably in the first round again. So nothing crazy there. Um, moving on from the seventh seed, we now go to the sixth. Who is... Your sixth seed. The Los Angeles Lakers. Really? Okay. Yes. Uh, just from what I've seen so okay. far and knowing how 
the average age is what has to be like 33 no no no, 30. no no it's like 29 29 That's after they brutal. signed uh avery Malik. bradley he brought it down isn't avery bradley kind of old he, he brought it down <laughs> i swear to god he brought it oh, down he brought it down okay i guess malik monk and Taylor horton probably lower it pretty much but uh I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this team. Not a lot of shooting. Not a lot of shooting. And he's thirty. Everybody's thirty. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was a lot older than that. Seems like he's been in the league forever. But uh, not a lot of shooting on this team. Uh, your best shooter is out right now. Wayne Ellington. He's not playing. And so I guess your your second best shooter is what Kent Bazemore or Malik Monk. I mean, you're not gonna get. You're not gonna get above like a six or a five seed, in my opinion. If you're gonna, if your best shooter is Malik Monk or Kent Bazemore. Okay. But I mean, they do have LeBron and AD and Russ, but I just don't know how and they. Carmelo. I just don't know how they mesh. They mesh well <clears> together because <throat> none of them can really shoot from behind the arc. Yeah, they're gonna be an old school. Throw oh, it yeah. into the paint. M- dri- Mid range, throw it in the paint. Triple drive, cutter. They just need to figure it out. Uh, I think they will, but for right now, uh, I'm gonna keep them at the six. Um, we are. I'm tinkering with the my ratings right now, my rankings. Yeah, I don't know. I tinkered who, a little bit for the East. But uh, my number six is the Golden State Warriors. Um, I think largely the way I went into this and that ranking was the Clay Thompson stuff. I don't know when exactly he's gonna return. It's set around like January, maybe January, and, February, and what his production's going to yeah, be he when be he does it. return. Um, but Steph Curry, there obviously he was good enough on his own, basically, to get them into the playing games last year. Um, so with Jordan Poole, a year of experience playing next to him, um, and then I like what they have with who's the. Center they drafted last year. James Wiseman. But Wiseman. He, I think he's out for a little bit. And when he comes back, apparently they're going to put him to the G League for a few. Sick. Very cool. Very cool. Well, <laughs> I was excited to see what he was going to do this year. but um, yeah, I'm not sure what he did exactly. But, I again, I still think Steph is good enough to go. And he was obviously good enough last year. And you saw have Draymond, who is one of... Probably one of the more underrated players just because he does so much and impacts the game in a multitude of ways. So the Warriors are my six. Who is your number five? My number five is the Los Angeles Clippers. Gotcha. Um, Kawhi, getting Kawhi hurt um, probably possibly for the whole year um, kind of hurts you. Um, but I do like what they added in Eric Bledsoe. Um, I think he brings leadership to the team. Another scoring guard next to Reggie Jackson. Uh, doesn't necessarily put up the numbers that like Kawhi does, but he can definitely get you buckets and get teammates open by driving into the lane and kicking it out. And then, uh, I mean, I really like I really like what they're doing. I just the loss of Kawhi uh, is going to hurt them this year, so that's why I have them at five. Okay. And I, I've always been a I've always kind of hated on Paul George, but last year I think he stepped up, and I think this year he's going to have to even put up even better numbers and better percentages and better plus minus just to get this team rolling because I don't know if Kawhi is coming back I I doubt he comes back I mean it's hard to say but if he comes back they could be a sneaky team in the playoffs for sure Mm -hmm. I'm right there with you with the Clippers there being a five I'm cautiously optimistic about Kawhi but we've seen in the past 
when he was on the Spurs, how, and that was, <clears throat> excuse me, could have been because of the training staff's fault there about how slow he was to come back and how that whole injury was managed, or maybe that was partially a Kawhi thing. I understand he won out of San Antonio, so all that, but he could be cautiously optimistic about coming mm-hmm. back and not want to risk it, and if they're, if he's out, then I don't think this team, they're good enough for a 5C, but I don't think good enough to really contend or do anything because I just can't trust Paul George in the playoffs. Like, playoff P is self-given nickname for a reason. <laughs> so, they're there at my five. Who is your number four? It is the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I really like their squad this year. I liked them last year, but I think they just add more. Um, especially when Clay, when, when or if Clay comes back. I think the target is like January or February, maybe towards the end of January. So when he comes back, they, they're going to be very dangerous. And they're starting off pretty hot right now. Uh, they brought back Andre Iguodala. Uh, I like the addition of Otto Porter. Um, he's a nice little addition. And I like their two draft picks that they had. Uh, I thought they had a very stellar draft. I don't, I don't know how much they're going to use them this year, but I really like Kaminga and I really like uh, Moses Moody. Mm-hmm. I really like what they did there. And, so, and like you said earlier, like the Jordan Poole, just another year of experience and underneath Steph and learning from him. So I, 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 I like what they're doing. I think they can make some noise in the West. Uh, but if they bring back Clay, then they can definitely make some even more noise. Gotcha. And then my number four is going to be the Denver Nuggets. Um, interested to see when Jamal Murray is going to make his way back. Uh, Jokic took a bit of a spill on a couple nights ago um, earlier this week, but he seems to be fine. Um I like that they bring in Aaron Gordon last year. I thought he helped them a lot. Michael Porter Jr. is steadily becoming one of the best players in the NBA, just as I said he would, so that's <laughs> great to hear. Um, but his defense is still questionable at times, which keeps him off the floor. Um, and you can't score points, what he's very good at from the bench. Uh, their role players, I think, have gotten lesser from this season compared to last year, so that's a bit concerning. But I think Jamal Murray, when he comes back, if they get the Jamal Murray of the bubble, then I like this team a lot to be a threat again in the West, especially in the playoffs. Uh, who is your number three seed? The Denver Nuggets. Uh, pretty much exactly what you were going to say. Just I'm kind of concerned about their depth right now, but I think that's the only, the only reason why their depth is just kind of worrisome is because Jamal's out. So if Jamal was there at the point guard position, Monte Morris is a great bench player. Um, so whenever whenever uh, Jamal gets back, I think the target was also January, end of uh, January, beginning of February, just like Clay Thompson. So when, when he comes back, I think this team can put it together even more. I like Aaron Gordon a lot. Jeff Green's good off the bench. A young player in P.J. Dozer that brings a lot of energy to the team, a lot of defensive power. So I, I like their team, and I, I, and I love their coach. I mean, their coach is just is, is great. And so I think they, they are the three seed going into the West. Okay, and then my number three seed, and this is stri- they're here strictly because LeBron James is going to be on a minutes and game restriction. If he wasn't, they'd probably be the number one seed. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. I understand that the age thing is going to be harped on. The chemistry thing is going to be harped on. The shooting thing is going to be harped on. 
I think there's a bunch of guys on this team that just know how to win. They're willing to do the little things behind the scenes on the court that are going to get them victories. You pair that with Malik Monk, who's coming off his best year in the NBA, like what he brings shooting-wise. Kendrick Nunn, another shooter for them when he's healthy and available. They have the Austin Reeves guy, who he's looked pretty good. They've thrown him out there already to play meaningful minutes, so it's nice to see him getting experience. If THT comes back from his injury, he had some valuable minutes last year, and he continues to progress. I like what they have in him. Um, Trevor Ariza, the 3 and D, whenever he comes back from injury. If they can have everybody healthy, and I understand that's an Big if right now because a portion of their team is injured, but I just like everything they brought in. I understand that the narrative is you surround LeBron with shooters, but I think they did an okay enough job of that, and they go and they get a playmaker in Russell Westbrook who, if LeBron is going to do load management or a big thing with the Lakers last couple years has been when they take LeBron out of the game, and they would just throw it to Anthony Davis. They would pretend they would give back leads, or the game would get closer than what it should have. I think Russell Westbrook can be the guy that you take AD and you take LeBron out at the end of like the last four minutes of a quarter or something to rest them for the next. That lead isn't going to shrink up. It's not going to be the game's not going to momentum's not going to turn because Russell Westbrook's going to be there to score and facilitate and get people involved. Kamala Anthony has already dropped a 30-point game for them already. Um, a bit concerned that he's sort of in and out of the starting lineup. Like, I didn't expect him to be a starting Sorry. guy yeah. for them. I thought he'd be a nice piece, like a six-man guy. Yeah, six, but seven guy. Yeah. the way the injuries and the rosters lined up now, he's there. He's looked fairly good, I think, uh, besides airballing that, that game winner. <laughs> game tie game yeah, against the Thunder. But... Uh, and Anthony Davis is still Anthony Davis, one of the best young players in the NBA. So I'm, He needs to stay healthy, too. I'm in on the Lakers still. I understand a lot of questions, but I think they have the right guys there to answer those questions and to pass the test with flying colors. Uh, who is your number two? The Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Right there uh, with you. I like what they added with Landry Shaman. I thought that was a hell of a pickup to be uh, the backup shooting guard with Devin Booker. Um, and they bring back pretty much everybody, right? I mean, I don't see... Yeah, they bring back yeah, basically they brought, everyone. They brought back everyone, pretty much. And then added Land- like one of the best young shooters. Uh, a lot of potential on him. And then and they brought JaVale McGee, so he's another rim protector down there. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really like what they're doing. I love Monty Williams. I think he's a hell of a coach. He's the perfect guy to coach these Phoenix Suns. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about the Phoenix Suns. They're, they're good. They're legit. Uh, two things with the Suns for me. I think DeAndre Ayton's going to have his best year that he's had in the NBA. I think he's going to feel slighted by the Suns. This could be his last year there just because they don't give he him. Needs, he needs a pain. Yeah. yeah, they don't give him that extension, the rookie extension. So he's, I think, free to walk after this year because of that. I think he's going to obviously try and put up as much stats and play as well as he can so he can get paid. Um, and then Devin Booker, I think, is a sneaky MVP candidate. This year, um, it might be tough for him to win that just because the sharing the backcourt with Chris Paul and how they might view yeah. them two together. Chris Paul's obviously not going to take votes away from like nobody's going to vote Chris Paul the MVP, but it might be hard to say like all of the Sun success is because of Devin Booker. But I think he's 
a sneaky MVP candidate this year, and I like them there at the two. Uh, who is your number one seed? I think we're going to agree on this, too. <laughs> the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> hate that they are up there for me. They just have a nice They just have a nice all-around roster, in my opinion. Uh, I like I like what they're doing a lot. Uh, Jordan Clark, Clarkson, sixth man of the year. Mm-hmm. He comes off the bench, but he's putting up starter starter numbers, like, instantly. So he's, he's a great... Great uh, member on that team. Um, the only concern, I guess, would just be their front court. Like outside of Rudy Gobert, their front court, I would say. Their their depth on their front court. And they have Hassan Whiteside, but he seems like, yeah, at times, disinterested yeah, he just, like, in basketball. Yeah, he, he does. So, I mean, I like what they're, they're doing. They got a superstar and Mitchell. Uh, Mike Conley, Ohio State alum. He's... Perfect with what they needed. Uh, I forget who even was their point guard year before he came along. Rubio. Yeah, Ricky Rubio. It's so. absurd how much money Mike Conley has made yeah. in the NBA. It's ridiculous. He's, yeah, one I mean, of, he's one of the most consistent point guards in the league, mm-hmm. I feel like, definitely. I felt uh, at times he struggled with that team last year. Um, so hopefully he can rebound. Yeah, and, I, think he, I think he will. And it's, if he does, they were already the one seed last year, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I think that is just going to... Elevate this I think, team. I uh, think last year, finally coming back into the st- uh, arena with fans kind of was a little weird. And now that they're, they're coming back for a second year with fans, I feel like they can get into their groove. Like all these players, so not just Mike Conley, obviously, but just all these players can find their groove a lot better with uh, being more comfortable with fans finally back in the arenas. And then Donovan Mitchell, his points per game dipped a little bit last year, but team success-wise was one of the best. But the best that... Since he's been on the Jazz, um, one of the better young players in the NBA, if he yeah, can continue he to yeah. improve. And they bring in Jordan Clarkson, and it's nice to see that maybe Donovan doesn't have to totally shoulder all the weight of the offense. They bring in Conley, and they have Gobert down there. Uh, Ingles as well, the white off the bench that's just knocking down threes. Um, so I like what the Jazz have, and then their head coach, the Batman villain that he is. Um, does a good job and puts his team in positions to win. So I uh, like the Jazz a lot this year. Um, do you want to do the <clears throat> playoffs or the awards? Let's do the awards. The awards, okay. Yeah. What so, do you want to start with? So I only did the did you, did MVP. The I did not do a coach. Okay. Um, to start with the sixth man of the year. I think we're going to agree on this. Uh, it's like... I put two options because okay, I was like, if he went, if he doesn't win this one, then he's gonna win this one. Okay. Uh, Tyler Hero. Okay. I got. We're I got not well, I got Tyler Hero, thing. and then my second option for six man is Jordan Clarkson again. Okay. Him winning back to back. I mean, I think Hero can definitely put up the numbers. I'm not trying to be biased or anything. I literally think he can put up the numbers with this Miami Heat team. He's sharing men's with Duncan Robinson in the backcourt. He's got a, a better uh, point guard with him alongside him. So I just think he can put up some numbers. Then Jordan Clarkson's Jordan Clarkson. So, I mean, he's always going to get you 18, 20 points a game. Tyler Hero's engaged now, correct? I believe. And a baby? It's all downhill from there. He's, <laughs> he's given up on he had, he, had a, he had a down year last year. He played like crap. So I think this is his redemption year. And he's starting off really, really well. He was one of the top five scorers in all of preseason. And then... Now he's averaging, what, like 24 points a game still? Four games in? 21 points a game, maybe? 
So he's your sixth man. So for me, uh, my sixth man is Patty Mills. He um, was one of my other options. I I think he's just in a great situation where when he comes in, he's just going to basically be given the green light, hit as many open shots and as many open threes as you can. Um, he's, but he, he comes off the bench, right? Uh, he comes off the bench at the time. Okay, yeah. so, so it's James Harden and then Joe Harris. Yeah. Okay, it's, okay, I don't know. And then, especially Joe once Harris Kyrie comes back, yeah. If he comes back, yeah. So that, that, that's the reason why I didn't put my Patty Mills in there, because I, I thought he did start, but I guess James is the, number, the, the one. And then, so far through this year, he's averaging uh, 12.4 points and shooting 44% field goal percentage-wise, so... Um, if those numbers can stay around there, obviously I think he's going to need to bump up the points per game minutes to be in this running, but um, I think he's in an offense and on a team that's going to need to score a lot of points and can yeah, score a lot yeah, of points. I don't know how, how uh, often Tyler Hero can keep this up, mm-hmm. but he's at 21 points, 7 rebounds, and he is shooting eh, not that great from 3. But I, I got Tyler Hero and Jordan Clarkson. And then, did you do a defensive player of the year? Yep. I did also another Miami Heat guy, uh, Bam Adebayo. Uh, I mean, I just love... He's what he, due. Uh, he's, he's due. Yeah. He's definitely due. It's like it's always like him or AD that I really want to get that award. But I think this is the year that Bam, like, he gets it. I, I really like the Miami Heat this year. I think they're going to use him a lot. He can he can do it all. So I think, uh, I mean, he can defend one through five. I mean, he's he's got the speed. He's got the length. He's got the athleticism. So uh, I got Bam out of bio. And then for my defensive player of the year, I did Anthony Davis. If the Lakers are going to be as good as I think they are, he's going to have to stay healthy and he's going to have to play good on both ends of the court. Um, basically, I'm in the mindset, anybody but Rudy Gobert, I'm sick of him. <laughs> We're in defensive play. I don't. He won last year. Gobert. He did? Yeah. No. <laughs> anybody but him, I'm pretty much good with at this point. Um, who is your rookie of the year? Uh, right now, as of right now, it's Jalen Green from, <clears throat> from the Houston Rockets. But I feel like once Katie Cunningham comes back from injury, which is probably soon, I think uh, he'll t- he'll take over that wrath. So I got Katie Cunningham. I think he can just put up triple double numbers every single every single uh, game, just because he's on the Detroit Pistons and he's basically all all they got okay. from the point guard position. That is okay. I uh. I have like two honorable mentions that I need to. Scotty Barnes, yeah, I have he's... tweeted this out, and I've I'm gonna say it here. He is the next. He's the next big thing for me. I've not felt this way about a prospect and a player since Michael Porter Jr. And that's turned out pretty well. <laughs> I am. I like Scotty a lot. Putting my stamp of approval on Scotty Barnes so far this year, um, averaging 17 points a game, eight rebounds, two assists, playing 34 minutes a game. Um, I think that's gonna come down. Though, it's once, probably certainly uh, is. Siakam, Siakam's hurt, right? Uh, yes, he is, and that's sort of inflated because of the Boston game he had twenty five points. But I love what he's doing. Um, and then you also have another guy for me, Evan Mobley. Yep. That I am really high on. He's playing great defensive basketball as well. Um, he's averaging like two blocks, I believe. Uh-huh. Let's see if I can find it in here. Two blocks a game, and then. Um, 14 points and 9 rebounds. This Cavs team is, is an extremely... F- they're also another team that I'm auditioning to be a <laughs> new favorite team. That should, that should be your team um, since uh, Ohio. But 
Mobley there with, for some reason, I feel like Cleveland has put a premium on, like, big guys. They bring in Lori Markin, and they have Kevin Love. They also have... Jared uh, Allen. Yeah, Jared, Jared, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and Markin are, like, almost the same player. Yeah, which is great, <laughs> I feel like. But uh, I wanted to just shout out Evan Mobley. I don't think he's going to win because I think there's other players A lot in of people in the front court for them. That, and there's other players that are rookies that are going to be asked to do more for yeah. their team. Uh, my rookie of the year is Jalen Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned with the injury with Cunningham. I know that's nothing, like crazy serious or anything like that but I think that the Rockets are going to be bad this year mm-hmm. and they're He's just going to lot, throw yeah. Jalen Green out there and be like go learn on the fly and I think they end up just letting him do that and he has a good year but I did see this is not indicative of what's going to happen to him this year but the video from practice where John Well blew by him, mm. like did the layup and yelled, and one motherfucker Is he hurt? in his face. Or are they Wall? just holding on to him right now to see potential trade options? I believe I believe it's potential trade options. I don't think he's hurt. Okay. I don't think he's hurt. 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 No. Um, so so there's if the, they trade him away, then Jalen Green's numbers the will number be one, yeah. consistent. Yeah, and way. another piece for the Rockets to pair with future the other rookie, right? MVP who should have won the Rookie of the Year last year, Jayshon Tate. Uh, <laughs> um, and then your MVP. Oh, we're not doing the most improved? Oh, I didn't do one, but oh, I can come up one? with one. Go ahead. As of right now, I'd probably say Miles Bridges. Uh, he's having a great year for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, let me look it up. He had, he is averaging 26 points a game, 8 rebounds a game. And uh, last year, I don't know if I can find it. Well, for his... Who did you say? Just say for his career, Miles Bridges. Go ahead. Um, for his career, he's only averaging like 11 points per game. But right now, first five games in, he's averaging 26 and 8. So he's been killing it. He's already had three 30-point games this this year, so three out of out of five. Uh, they're, they have a 4-1 and one record currently. So if they can keep this up, I like the Hornets a lot. And if uh, Miles Bridges can continue to do this, he can kill it. And then also I have uh, Hero in there. That was the other guy that I was saying that could win six-man or most improved. And then for my most improved, I'm going to go with Jaron Jackson Jr. If we want the Grizzlies to be good, obviously they have Morant, but they need that second guy um, along with Dylan Brooks, but Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. needs to step up. He's played well his few years in the league, but I think this could be the year that takes that next step. Looking at the odds, he's like the seventh uh, best odds he's got plus 1600 so if you're into that sort of thing gambling maybe put something on him if you'd like to you're uh, more than welcome to and then uh, your MVP Stephen Curry uh, I think he's going to put up ridiculous numbers he's definitely going to have to carry the load until Clay gets back and even when Clay gets back he's still going to put up probably ridiculous numbers uh, so I, I just think his production his overall volume as a as a player and as a teammate I just think uh even his assist numbers, they're going to go up with uh, everybody around him as well. So Stephen Curry wins his third MVP? Second or third, yeah. He won, he won back-to-back, right? Maybe. So Stephen Curry. And then I feel like with the MVP, they've been sort of lax in who they've been giving it to. Like I, Giannis certainly deserved it. He could be another one. He could win Giannis is my pick this year. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, 
I have totally bought into Giannis potentially having some semblance of like a skill set on offense rather than like just driving and being around the rim. There was a few preseason games where he yeah, would just come out. And, yeah, I fully bought into <laughs> it. Looked, if, it looked different too, the way he was like his form. If he gets any semblance of like an outside game or like a mid range jumper, I think the MVP is certainly his, and the rest of the NBA is in trouble because he's hard enough to guard as is. If you add either of those two to his arsenal, it's almost unguardable. Um, Luca right now, before the season, he was the betting favorite. I think he he makes sense because he's going to put up a lot of numbers. Yeah, he, um, he was my pick last year, and then he just he didn't really start off too hot. No, and like that's what I was trying to get at with. They're some, kind of just giving it out. Like I don't think the voters want to give it to people back-to-back and things like that. They want to help build these guys' resumes as like this next wave of stars. So Giannis... Right. Jokic, so maybe Luka gets... He, he's obviously has to earn it, but I think he's going to play well enough to be in the running all year. But I just think Giannis is going to be better. But if the narrative I'm trying to say where they're sort of just giving it to whoever um, is true, then I think Luka could end up taking it. But Giannis, Giannis is my is official pick. And then your conference finals. We'll go into that, and then we'll talk about the finals. Okay, for the East, I have the Bucks versus the Nets. I have the, that as the, well. The one and three. Um, obviously, I think they're the two best teams when they're fully healthy. Uh, I really like the Heat. This is all depending on Kyrie coming back as well. I feel like if Kyrie does come back, then they'll be in the playoffs. Although they'll be in the conference uh, title, but if Kyrie doesn't, then I think the Heat okay. are the my other option. To play the Bucks in the Eastern Conference. Okay, and then in the East, I have that same matchup: the Nets and the Bucks. I think the two best teams in the East by a comfortable-ish margin. I know, like I'm high on the Heat as well, but I do think that there's a gap between the top two. Um, and then in the West, who is your? Um, I got the Nuggets as one of my teams. When, I have when, them there when as well. When Jamal yeah. comes, I'm trying to figure out who I want to do for because. If I have the Nuggets, then I can't pick the Suns because they're my two. So, I think I'm gonna go with the Nuggets and the Jazz. I think the Jazz. This is where the Jazz come over the hump in the playoffs and finally make it to the Western Conference Finals. Okay, and then my uh, Western Conference Final is the Lakers and Denver. I high on the Lakers, high on what the Nuggets' possibilities can be if Jamal comes back and is. The usual Jamal that he is, so that's my matchup. Who do uh, who's your finals pick? Uh, I will do the Bucks versus the Nuggets, okay. and then I'll t- pick the Bucks to win back to back titles. Okay, I don't hate that at all. Uh, the next my finals is going to be the Bucks versus the Lakers, and I have the Lakers winning. I think Giannis very high on the Lakers. Yeah, um, <laughs> which this could be like. Me saying this could be just so great. It's There's going to be no middle ground. Like, these Lakers aren't going to be the four or five seed and yeah. make it to, like, the conference finals and bow out. They're either going to be as good as, like, win the NBA title or just be, like, eighth, 
seventh, yeah. eighth seed and, and lose in the first, first round. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have the Lakers winning. They'll, they'll probably go to game seven in the first round. Yeah. Which, for whoever they play. Fine. Totally fine <laughs> with that as long as they win that game seven. But I think that AD is one of the few guys in the NBA that can match up with Giannis and do. Him and KD probably. Yeah. And can not stop Giannis, but can limit what he's going to do. Um, I would be all in on a seven-game series between these two teams, especially to see the matchup of Westbrook and Holiday. Would love to see how those Westbrook's offense against Holiday's defense. Um, I think LeBron can do an okay job guarding Middleton or any other of those guys there. Um, the role player-wise, I both all both teams have good role players. I think this is sort of where the experience that people are saying might be a bad thing for the Lakers comes into play. Yes, this Bucks team had a lot of guys that were part of that championship team last year, but this Lakers team has had more guys on more championship teams. Mm-hmm. So it would be, I think they could lean on some veteran experience and everything like that. Um, and I think the Lakers just might be a little bit deeper. So I'm going to go with the Lakers over the Bucks. Do you have anything else you'd like to impart about the NBA before we get out of here? No, it's going to be an interesting season. I'm interested to see some of the players that are, that are hurt currently. I'm interested to see what they're like when they come back and or if they come back. Uh, interested to see what Kyrie does. Um, who knows with that guy. But He's I'm, gonna I'm, I'm very interested to see about Jamal and Clay. Clay finally coming back from ACL injuries and... Uh, I'm interested to see what the Warriors do. Have to see if they can finally come back and make some more, make some noise like they did in earlier years. All right, well, Ryan, I appreciate you joining me as always. Uh, we're gonna get out of here right now. Um, like, rate, review, subscribe, all that other good stuff on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. And as we always end here on the sack, we will be seeing.